Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this podcast, I bring back for the third time, Dr. Ashani Patel, GP partner, clinical lead and co-founder at Lantern. And this time we discuss why the Lantern team keep returning to best practice, what Lantern is and the benefits of using the platform and the services that they provide. I also ask Ashani to share some advice to those stepping into the med tech, health tech world. In the podcast, she shares that Lantern has been a 10-year plus journey, so she's got so much experience. I ask her about her approach to competition, continuity of care, and you know I like to ask this, I like to ask people about their health and well-being and how they manage their day. And in this case, Ashani has got two businesses, so any tips, anything I can learn from her, I will definitely take. It's a good one. Enjoy, share it, and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, Ashani, thank you so much for coming back onto the Business of Healthcare podcast. This is your third time. I think nobody's been on three times. Oh, well, then I feel extra special. (laughs) Thank you. So you are part of the series where we are interviewing speakers and sponsors that are attending best practice in Birmingham this October. You guys, Lantern, typically go to best practice. Why do you keep going back? We keep going back to best practice because it's really good fun. And I'm usually buzzing around like a fly, just trying to meet people and hear as many speakers as I can. It's also a really nice opportunity to have one-to-ones with existing clients that could be ICB leads, clinical directors, but it's also really nice to meet clinicians who have either just recently qualified or who are just looking to explore like what their career options are. We typically have a stand and we just get people from all sectors within primary care coming and speaking to us. It's really nice. It's also nice for the team because they get to meet people from all over the country. I think best practice is great because it's just literally everybody comes. They party for two days, but they also like connect. <laughs> they connect and they learn and hopefully see what good stuff we're doing in primary care and integrated care as well. So can you remind our listeners, who are you and what do you do? Lantern is a workforce technology platform. We have a number of, I suppose, functionalities. The first one is that we are able to build a digital staff bank for primary care networks, urgent care centers, secondary care and integrated care systems where you can plug all your staff in one bank and basically power your rotor. 
so you can look ahead three, six, nine months and ensure that all of your shifts are fulfilled. We have also a feature called Smart Rotor. It's a lot more intelligent, a lot more machine learning driven to be able to predict gaps. And that is sort of the second thing that we offer. So it's just a really good, especially when you've got complexities in rotors and even in primary care, rotors are getting increasingly more intricate and more detailed. And then the third thing is we have a open marketplace. So as a GP, for example, you can register, bespoke your customize your settings and see what type of locum shift work is available, whether it's remote, online, whether it's in person. Majority of our partnerships or collaborations are with primary care organizations in the NHS. And we have recently spent more time, six months plus, really embedding the tech into secondary care departments as well. So that's what we do in a nutshell. A very big nutshell. And what's your role in Lantern for people that don't know? I'm one of the founders and it's been a 10 plus year journey to get here. And my role, the things that I like to do is very much client facing. So speaking to primary care workforce leads, ICB leads, clinical directors, explaining the benefits of what we do supporting rollout where some systems need it, although we do have a really great team that does a lot of that, and then creating content. And then I guess the other flip side is I really like speaking to the new clinicians or clinicians that are thinking of coming on board and just explaining where we sit in this much bigger ecosystem. So we've just kicked off our 21st Century GP webinar series, and we had the first three last week, and we had some great guests. And it's just really nice able to bring other people who you may have seen from afar, but not really know. So we had Dr. Carter Thing from Nottingham who came along and just shared his experiences to GPs who were looking to build a portfolio career. So yeah, I really enjoy speaking to individuals as well and just seeing where they're at and just reminding them that general practice is actually a great, great career choice. Gives a lot of autonomy and flexibility and it's nice speaking to newly qualified GPs. I think I said this to you at the last best practice, but I think it's really important for the listeners to know. Lantham and you personally, you were the first person to reach out to me that worked for like a large organization and was like, oh, will you partner with us? We've done webinars together, we've done blogs together. You spoke at one of our events when we had our scholarship and we've just kept in touch. I've been in business for eight years. And I think probably when I started to get into primary care networks, so it was four and a half years ago. But yeah, you were the first person. So I'd be forever grateful. I mean, I've been following Stroke Stalking You for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I learn from your branding and your marketing and your comms. It's very much a two-way love. (laughs) So you mentioned Lantham has been on this journey for 10 plus years. For somebody that's stepping onto this health tech journey, and I was speaking to somebody the other day, and it was like, he felt that it's still the same conversation innovation and all this transformation it's like well, we were talking about that 10 15 years ago so what one piece of advice would you give to somebody that's thinking about starting up a health tech company we are in a boom of health tech it's exploding med tech health tech i think it's really important to ensure you are crystal clear on the problem you are trying to solve I think I may have said this before. Somebody asked me this last week. One of the questions was, how can I get into it? My response was, why? What is it you want to get into? Because it's this enigma. People think, oh, I want to get into health tech because that's going to be my ticket. But it's not. Like I think it's really important if you're starting something to understand 
keep it really, really simple. What's the problem? What's my solution? What do I need to build? Do I have the skills to build it? If not, where am I going to go and seek developers? That's the first bit. And how are you funding it? We put our own money in right at the beginning. It was our own blood, sweat and tears. And then the next bit is the, how am I going to share this with people? And I would say the NHS Innovation Accelerator Program for us was fundamental in us being able to share what our vision was for workforce with academic healthcare networks, but also this is before PCNs existed. I mean, there's still GP federations, still incredibly strong, but this was more our building our relationships with GP federations across the country. And yeah, the NIA program was fantastic. There are lots of general, like non-medical entrepreneur programs, but I think if it's specifically wanting to get into the NHS, I think the NHS Innovation Accelerator program is great and reaching out to academic AHCNs, academic health networks. There's so much advice. That's really the, the ones I would focus on. What is the problem that Lantum is trying to solve? So the original problem, which is still remains a core problem, is that people are struggling to recruit, retain. The cost that comes with bank staffing, locum staffing is in the millions. And that's regardless of sector, includes social care as well. And we recognized 10 years ago that the manual ways of doing it were just incredibly inefficient, laborious and cost too much money. So what we did back then was build a connectivity platform. That middle person essentially was cut out so that that fee was essentially cut out. So we were just a cyber, we are a cyber intermediary. So there's no agency fee. And then from that became a, how do I, particularly when PCNs became alive and all these additional roles and people saying, how do we share the existing staff and these new staff coming in? And that bolted at that, that really expanded the scope of our digital staff banks. So historically, they were purely GP banks that GP federations would say, we want to plug all of our locum GPs and salary GPs and anybody interested in looking for work into one place and then use the road tool to offer shifts and confirm and e-pensions and rocket pay, which is the next day payment. So all of that was really is really attractive. And now obviously the workforce types have diversified, expanded. And so we have responded to that so staff banks can have any staff type. And then the pandemic came and COVID vaccination services needed to be stood up literally like that. So people came to us and said, we don't want to use Excel. <laughs> I was like, no, you shouldn't use Excel. And we had then the voluntary sector within those banks just blossomed. So that was solving that. How do I stand up a service literally within two weeks? So Lantern were the workforce delivery partner for that for many, many PCNs. So that was the problem we solved for them. Now, the problem we are solving is taking all of that learning and experience into secondary care, the smart rotor tool, the staff banks, pulling that together and saying, right, now in secondary care, where there's just so much more complexity, we're now solving the staffing and the rotor management. Hi, everyone. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Best Practice, where we will be interviewing some of the speakers and sponsors attending the event in Birmingham on the 11th and 12th of October. If you are already registered to attend, do let us know as we would love to meet you. And if you are still to register your place, please click on the link in the show notes. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. For those of us that work in primary care networks or given your experience, what is the thing that leads people to you? Because everybody's got a growing workforce and lots of people manage it. They might have a spreadsheet 
think I saw somebody that manages their rotor using Microsoft Teams. You know, like it's just a calendar, but Microsoft Teams, it looked really good. But there'll be a tipping point. By the time they come to you, what is that driving factor? What has happened to make people think we just need to call Anthem? It's clinical governance. It's that passporting, which other products don't do as well as we do. So you've got to meet requirements, mandatory requirements for governance. So we do all of that. So you know the person has their professional registration, all their CQC documentation, all of that stuff, all the way through to NHS pension automated forms, all the way through to payment. A lot of rotor tools don't have anything to do with payment. And that's really important. And we've got that rocket pay feature, which is where people can be paid the next day, which is hugely attractive and actually has increased the amount of shifts that people do on the platform because they know they're going to get paid reliably and, and straight away. The way people have come to us in the last two years is with the FlexiPool scheme. So NHS England set up a framework where ICBs could access suppliers, Lantern being one of them, where they could create a GP staff bank with some mentorship, with some peer learning, some career development. And it was a way of resolving GP recruitment and retention. Us being on the framework introduced us to a lot more ICBs wanting to work with us. And where we are now is we've got the SDF fund. And so we're at this really interesting journey where the FlexiPool scheme has been absorbed into the SDF. And so the conversation we're having now with ICBs is for those who didn't actually do it, we're saying don't miss out because actually having a stable workforce bank, even if there's fluxes, there'll always be fluxes, people leaving, people coming. Having that is the key infrastructure for any service you want to set up. And it does baffle me when they don't get it. <laughs> Obviously, even if I wasn't a part of Lantern, I've used it. I've used it as a clinician. I've used it as a service lead. And it just makes life so much easier. What are the objections? So you must have lots of conversations. And then, you know, like the conversation drops off. I'll tell you what it is. It's because directly the decision makers may not have been the ones actually using it. So when you have workforce leads, and I have great relationships with workforce leads, they understand that they've been given a pot of money and they need to spend it on a very specific thing. However, they're not the rotor manager. They're not the operational service lead, the network lead, a clinician on the ground. And I think that's where our conversations with clinical directors And then understanding, okay, yeah, this is what it means. This is great. It's the meeting of those two then, I guess, helps people who are perhaps higher in the ICS management chain who are not living and breathing the actual problems. That's where we've had some challenges because you're selling to somebody who is never going to use the product. Who are you selling to though? Do you want each and every individual PCN or do you want an ICB? Both. And we do have both, although actually PCNs within ICBs have their subscription pretty much covered. But we have PCNs who use us where their ICS has not tapped into the FlexiPool opportunity, which I find is a real shame because they could have had there been perhaps more collaborative working or partnership working. Not every ICB is smooth, mature, everybody getting along. People are very much at different relationship building stages. As you know, you go in and you try and help (laughs) solve some of those issues, right? So yes, that's a challenge is when you're speaking to people who are holding the pot, but they're not the ones who will be using the product. So now we're in a place where we want to re-reach out to PCNs and say, what are your plans, especially with this access recovery plan? 
This is a big thing where, again, having just that digital workforce bank could just really make things so much smoother. So does continuity matter? A new way of working, or it's not even new. We have hybrid. We have various different models of working. But my perception of having a locum bank is that every week or every day I could have somebody new covering a shift, which would be amazing. But also I don't have that continuity. I've got part of my team who I know and they're in the, they're in the family and we've got this other workforce that's just come and go. Does it matter? It does and it doesn't. So it matters because you're going to have people that may not be embedded in the system or know it as well. However, where they have a good experience, they will keep coming back. And the ones that keep coming back may end up being converted to a salaried role. That's retention. And we have the data. And every time we hear that someone's been offered a role and they're made permanent, that's a win. There's no fees. Also, we know that people don't want to be locked in full time. People want the autonomy and the flexibility, especially where you've got a dwindling workforce operating 10 times their capacity, really, like GPs are gold dust. And so where you've got GPs who are in such demand, practices are grateful to have someone having a clinician there who may not be as embedded, but who is safe, reliable, that's good. So when I say it matters and it doesn't matter, that's what I mean. Macro continuity and micro continuity are very different things. Macro continuity, I think, is really, really important. If you do not have the people, how are we going to look after our patients? So I would rather have a mix of people who are flexing, who build those relationships over time, who get to know the system, who stay. To me, that's a win. That microcontinuity where patients build that direct relationship with their clinician. Well, the whole thinking behind PCNs was that one person can build 250 relationships, meaningful relationships, right? So if you're looking at a PCN or an ICB, you're going to need lots of people to build those same 250 relationships. So the R's roles, one could argue the R's roles dilutes continuity, but it doesn't. It's just diversifying and adding. I'm sure a patient would rather see a first contact physio than not see anybody. It's tough. And locums also bring a fresh pair of eyes. And actually, there's been articles about how locums can really help early detection of cancer because they're seeing patients with an absolutely brand new lens. So there are good things. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign. Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. How do you manage competition? 
So when I very first got into the game, it felt like Lantern, you know, like new, innovative, you're there. But there are lots of organisations that it's not the same, but it's similar. They are your competition. How do you manage it? Imitation is the form of flattery, right? And actually, what's interesting is that the imitations were mainly secondary care. So our journey is, is and has been predominantly primary care. And a few couple of the new entrants were looking at very much secondary care. And yes, there are a couple of primary care, if you want to call them competitors. I just think we're always just looking, not spying, but, you know, like looking to understand what's the offer, what is making other people grow or successful. But it's also listening to the customer. And we also have to recognize that we don't all offer the same thing. We don't. And that's also okay. I think there is room for people in this market. But I think for us, it's really has been listening to what the customer wants, going back to development and saying, is this something that we can put in our roadmap? How many people are asking for this? What's the benefit? And then collaborating more closely rather than saying, here is the product, take it or leave it. It doesn't work that way. So you are a GP. You're also a clinical lead and you're a co-founder. We were talking before we press record. I said, how do you manage it? And you said, you've just fallen into a good routine. Yeah, I crave structure and it's good. <laughs> so talk us through that routine and what tools do you have for when it inevitably gets busy? How do you manage when the routine breaks? The routine will break when I'm at best practice, but I welcome that. <laughs> <laughs> so similarly to you, Tara, you and I are part of this crazy 5am club, right? <laughs> Where we're up, <laughs> we're up bonkersly early doing all our emails and going to the gym and you have a family that you run and, you know, I have a dog. So it's my mornings. If I don't have my calm mornings, no conversations, no pinging, my day isn't right. So I have to have that. And I have that pretty much every weekday. I have my GP partnership, which is pretty much Mondays, Fridays on site. But there's always things, you know, you, when you run a business, it's not something you only pay attention to two days a week. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate to work with two people in the practice who are absolutely just supportive, understanding there are interests within and without the practice. And it's a really lovely, lovely team. Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays is Lantern and Clinical Lead. And because meetings can be flexible, my day can be flexible, but the mornings are always the same. You wake up early, you drink your water with lemon in it, you walk your dog, you train hard, you're back by 7.30, 7.45, and then you have a bit of time before your day actually starts at eight. I think you and I are similar. You're train hard. You've got me into this thing. High rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan Bunstone from Warrington Innovation Network and Finn Robinson, we're thinking about doing it, but we may need another person. This November? Where are you doing it? Manchester, when, when but next it? year. Okay. Next year. So do you want to do it as a four or do you want to, because you can do it as a four. Do you want to do it as a four? Yeah, can do. I'm doing it again as a two, my first two. When is that? This November in London. Okay. okay so that's training for the four. Yeah, yeah, the four to me is going to feel like a holiday. <laughs> okay, we'll talk after, we'll talk okay. after. But yeah, she trains hard people. She's a pocket <laughs> rocket. <laughs> but yes, I think I am a big fan of the morning routine. And I think that I've just come off a stressful period. So I keep asking people. And the thing is, everybody has very similar answers, to be honest. 
think you're always looking for this magic thing that somebody does. But it is about that morning routine. And I think it is saying no. But lots of people, I mean, don't do this. They all say, I should say it more. But I think having that structured routine, for me, having an assistant like Valentina, she is gold. She's platinum. She is. She helps me out and manages my day so well. And she's the person that says no for me because I will inevitably be like, well, yeah, just squeeze it in, just squeeze it in. Yeah. yeah. She's she my keeps shield. You, yeah. She keeps you together and protected. That's really nice. Yeah. Do you have yeah. an assistant? So within Lantern, we do. So at the partnership, yes. At Lantern, yes. For Digital First, yes. That's what keeps my diary organized. But the challenge is when there's travel involved. So for Lanta, I have to really forecast and plan because the traveling and the traveling isn't just for meeting ICB leads. It's also the meeting GP training schemes and going to specialist training, like half day releases. So I've got one in Peterborough coming up, which I always look forward to. And it's the travel. Travel is what throws me off because then I have to rearrange things around it. And I'm trying to drive less and trying to just take the train and just mm. enjoy being able to do stuff. Yeah. And just being more productive because yeah. you can't do stuff when you drive. Well, you, yeah. you can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> Your business, I mean, was here and will be here long after the DES. But do you guys, I suppose in all of your roles, what conversations are you having regarding what is going to happen after 23-24? Are you quite relaxed? Does it matter? Or actually, if there is a significant change to primary care networks, will that have a significant impact on your partnership, on Lantern and Digital First? So let's go in reverse. So Digital First, pretty much the program comes to an end 2024-25. And the idea is that Digital First is supposed to integrate within the primary care executive function. So, yeah, we're thinking what's going to happen to innovations like robotic process automation, for example, which we're seeing make such improvements to registrations and lab result processing and filing. So where I am in Northwest London, the primary care exec recognize the incredible work that the Digital First team have delivered from online consultations all the way through to being able to sustain budgets for text messaging, which has just been a massive thing. I don't know if, if you've been involved in those conversations, Tara, but people really stressing about how they're going to pay to be able to text patients. It's been a huge thing. Recognizing the strength and the importance of that. I am not so worried about where it's going to go because it's needed. For the partnership, I'm really, really excited because we're actually in a journey where we're moving to a brand new purpose-built site, where we're going to be working much more closely with brand new residences and communities. So I'm less worried about what happens with PCNs because we're going to be the size of a PCN ourselves. So I'm less worried about that. And we have good relationships with our commissioners and ICS colleagues and our neighboring PCNs. So I think that should be okay. For Lantern, I think that Working much more closely with urgent care and secondary care is going to help build that overarching. If you really want an ICS wide bank, you have to include all the components. You have to put in mental health, community, secondary, primary, urgent, like really, really work together. And that's what ICBs want. So I'm not jaded. I'm feeling quite optimistic. And we have such a good footprint. We've built such strength, I think, with many, many PCNs and ICSs, I think it's a natural progression where we will stay and grow. I think it's probably a bit more concerning for where PCNs and ICSs probably haven't started, really started that journey. 
but ICS's talk, right? So you hear something happening in one and yeah, 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 yeah. their ears prick up. I'm optimistic, but let's see. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's yeah. the best way? Best way is Shani, I-S-H-A-N-I at lantum.com. Whatever you're interested in, whether it's a new clinician, you're thinking, ooh, maybe I want to join the platform and I want to learn a bit more, or whether you are working in an ICS or a PCN and you're interested in understanding a bit more how the technology can support your access and recovery plans, for example. We've got a great team. I want to say our, the Lantern team are so good. So yeah, you can email me and I will absolutely put you in touch with the right person in the team, if it's not me. Thank you so much, Ashani. I will see you in October. Thank you, Tara. I'll see you in Birmingham. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five-star review. I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in in the next episode.